Hello and welcome to the Church Times podcast. I'm Ed Thornton. This week, more Brexit uncertainty. What are the bishops saying? And I talked to the Reverend Christine Smith, founder of the Festival of Preaching, which takes place this autumn in Oxford. If you don't subscribe to the Church Times, try 10 issues for £10. Go to churchtimes.co.uk slash subscribe. Brexit is moving very fast and we have a story in this week's paper and we have had our website updated as obviously things are moving so fast. Adam Beckett's been on the story all week. Um, Adam, just to, we're talking Friday morning now, so things may have changed by the time some people are listening to this. But as we speak, brief recap on what's happened for those who perhaps been... Um, on holiday or something. <laughs> well, this has been quite the momentous week. Uh, this was the week that finally the government brought their uh, withdrawal agreement before the House of Commons and MPs voted against it. It was a massive defeat for the government. Theresa May lost the, the vote, 430 vote, 432 votes to 202, which is the largest defeat of any government uh, in, the, in the past century at least. And then immediately after that, the Labour leader, Jeremy Corbyn, called a motion of no confidence in the Prime Minister and the government. Um, he'd kind of been um, urged to by the Prime Minister herself and uh, the government won that on Wednesday by, by, a, com- by a comfortable margin after uh, the Conservative Party and the DUP both backed her. She then said that she'd be willing to talk to party leaders. The Labour leader said he, he wouldn't be willing to talk to the Prime Minister until she ruled out no deal. At the time of recording, that still hasn't happened, uh, but the Prime Minister will come back before Parliament next week, probably Monday, with a, with a new deal. Um, we really don't know what that could possibly be. Uh, it, it might even just be exactly the same as before. And these due to, this is due to be voted on on the 29th of January? Uh, yes, so uh, MPs will have the chance to uh, debate the new deal, um, which will in all likelihood be very similar to the old deal, so we, we might be rehashing the same arguments again, and then MPs will vote it, uh, on it again at the end of the month. I, I assume that the, the government is hoping that MPs will be kind of staring down the barrel of the gun by that point, the threat of no deal hanging over their heads, uh, and, and, and will therefore... Um, find it a lot more palatable but uh, we really don't know what's going to happen next. And since we went to press um, on Thursday the Archbishops of Canterbury and York um, issued a call to pray this Sunday and every day really for politicians. Uh, Yeah they've they've urged um, uh, people around the country uh, on on Sunday especially in their churches to to call for reconciliation and also to to ask for wisdom and, and thoughtful thoughtfulness in in their politicians yeah they ask pray for wisdom courage integrity and compassion for our political leaders and mps something that could seem a little bit in short supply some might say i think this is something that the uh the bishops can both archbishops can really speak on uh the sense of compassion but also the sense of compromise which is needed in this situation there needs to be a way forward there needs to be that needs to be found um and time is running out. And the Archbishop of York has written a special prayer which he's encouraging everyone to pray three times a day at 6am, 12 noon and 6pm. Let's just hear him reading that prayer. The Archbishop of Canterbury and I echo the call of churches together in Britain and Ireland to Christians and all those of faith and goodwill to give time for prayer beginning this Sunday in their local churches or as they choose. Praying for wisdom, courage, integrity, and compassion for our political leaders and all MPs, for reconciliation, and for fresh and uniting vision for all in our four nations. And I'm inviting you to join me in continuing the prayer that I've been praying 
at 6 o'clock in the morning, at 12 midday, and 6 p.m. The prayer goes like this. God of eternal love and power, save our parliamentary democracy, protect the High Court of Parliament and all its members from partiality and prejudice, that they may walk humbly the path of kindness, justice and mercy. Give them wisdom, insight, and are concerned for the common good. The weight of their calling is too much to bear in their own strength. Therefore, we pray earnestly, Father, send them help from your holy place and be their tower of strength. Lord, graciously hear us. Amen. And on Monday, Adam, in the House of Lords, there was um, a debate on Brexit. There was or a motion which was, I mean, less reported. But well, what was going on there? Well, the, the, the Lords didn't actually get the chance to vote on the deal. Uh, the, uh, the meaningful vote was only held in the House of Commons, uh, as was promised by the government. Um, but the Lords uh, still voted on, on a motion brought forward by the, the Labour front bench uh, in that House, which was a motion of regret in, in, in the government's deal and also this threat of no deal. And that was uh, backed by a majority of lords in, the, in, in there, including uh, four bishops, the Bishop of London, the Bishop of Lincoln, Durham. the Bishop of Birmingham, and the Bishop of Durham. Uh, and and, and they, they all uh, thought it wise to vote on that. The Archbishop of York actually voted against it. He's been a supporter of the deal. Um, he's come out before for that. Um, he, he thinks that, that Brexit should be delivered uh, and, and the deal is the best way. The Archbishop of Canterbury, we understand, abstained from that vote. And the Bishop of Lincoln um, spoke in the House of Lords on Monday during the debate on that motion. Um, let's hear some of what he had to say. The questions in the lanes of Lincolnshire, and I was in a Fen village near Holbeach last Sunday, appear to be these. Why is it taking them in London so long to sort this out? And from some more nuanced people, why can't we explore some kind of compromise to get this done? I have heard almost all the speeches in this debate, and I am grateful for their differing perspectives. I've heard quite a lot of rhetorical certainty, when we really know the situation is extraordinarily complicated and confusing. Well, the, the Bishop of Lincoln is an interesting case because representing uh, the Diocese of Lincoln, uh, Lincolnshire was one of the, the heaviest, was one of the places with the heaviest vote to leave um, the, the EU and is also by some studies going to be affected the most by leaving the EU. So he, he's really on this tightrope between wanting to uh, fulfil the, the wishes of his congregation in his diocese, but at the same time he warned against a no deal. And you, you spoke to Bishop Laus and the Bishop of Lincoln after the Prime Minister's deal was defeated on Wednesday. And um, what, what did he say to you? Uh, similar to what you can imagine uh, all bishops would be saying, he, he, he called for reconciliation and uh, to find for people to find compromises. Uh, uh, we, we spoke about the fact that after the, the defeat of the Prime Minister's deal on Tuesday, um, some in, MPs spoke of using indicative votes to find a way forward on Brexit. Uh, that means where... Um, MPs vote on non-binding issues just to find out where the, the mood of the House is. And uh, Bishop Lawson thought this was a good idea uh, because he, he thinks that there, that there needs to be a way forward so that we avoid a no-deal scenario and that also the, the government delivers on some form of Brexit as the country voted for in 2016. And, and the way forward it is, is some form of compromise by all sides. 
a lot of people would say that it's the prime minister who needs to accept that some of her she needs to drop some of her red lines or principles um so far she's been unwilling to do that and the bishop of london sarah mullally is also quoted in your piece saying the country voted for brexit but that that does not mean accepting a deal at any cost and she seems to be very conscious of the risks of economic hardship and the effect on the most vulnerable. It, it's almost the opposite of uh, the the soundbite from Theresa May, no deal is better than a bad deal. The reality is it probably isn't. A good deal is better than a bad deal. And uh, you get the sense that the Bishop of London doesn't support the current deal. We, we heard the Archbishop of Canterbury um, on this podcast, um, his speech in the Lords last week, where he said that um, leaving the EU without a deal would be not only a political and practical failure, but a moral one, equally as serious as ignoring the result of the referendum entirely. So he's on a similar page. Ab- absolutely. The sense that um, if we ended up in a no-deal scenario, it's it's not just a, a, a failure by the politicians to come to an agreement, because cause no deal is a natural state that happens if there is no agreement. It's a, it's a real moral failure on the behalf of especially the government, who, who have been... Uh, just just uh, lacking in ideas to, to to find an end to this. I was also struck by the Bishop of Dudley, Graham Usher's tweet after the vote on Wednesday saying, I mean, he said people in 67.6% of people in Dudley voted to leave. Um, but he wants to step up the conversation of how churches working with others can live out their calling to be peacemakers and reconcilers in a divided society. All ideas welcome. And that is a theme that seems to be coming through bishops and other clergy saying that the church is called to be a reconciling presence and, and peacemaking absolutely in fraught times you could perhaps link that to the the things that the former archbishop of canterbury lord williams has been saying about citizens assemblies if there is uh, if that is the answer to the the brexit conundrum then perhaps churches have a role to play in that as as big movers in society christine first just for those who might not know what is the festival of preaching it's a two and a half day gathering in the uh, very splendid surroundings of Christchurch, Oxford and St Aldate's across the road and it includes inspiration, formation for preaching, uh, good food, good worship, good company, uh, a time to meet old friends and to hear some of the very, very, very best uh, proponents of preaching in the English language, I'd say. Mm. And then the first festival happened in September 2017. That's right. So this is the second one. This um, is the second. Why did you decide to set up? Did you sense there was a, a need for that in the church? Among I, clergy when, I, when I was um, an ordinand, I came across the Festival of Homiletics in the United States, which has now been going for about 25 years. And uh, I saw an ad for it. I saw that some of the speakers were among uh, my favourite writers. And I took myself off to that in 2015 and came back so fired up by it and also so aware that there was nothing in the UK like it. And uh, I'm in the position in my work, happily, where we could draw on uh, superb speakers and writers. And so modelled on the US Festival of Homiletics, we created a festival of preaching for the UK. Mm. And then who have you got this year? It takes place um, 8th to 10th of September at Christchurch, Oxford. Um, who are some of the sort of names people might want to look out for? Well, we've got some <clears throat> big name uh, preachers from America because I think some of the finest preaching is coming from uh, certain parts of the church in America at the moment. Uh, they have a kind of prophetic and engaged voice 
that I think isn't uh, as, as obvious in the UK as it is here. So from the US, we've got Brian McLaren, uh, who has written some really, really <clears throat> influential books, and also a name that will be new to some, uh, but someone who is incredibly influential in the States, and that's Anna Carter Florence, professor of preaching at Columbia Theological Seminary, a great writer. I've heard her twice and have been so impressed by her. Uh, not many people have heard of her in this country, but in our post-festival survey last time, uh, when we asked uh, p attendees who they'd like to hear, her name came up. So we hope to uh, really raise her profile in the UK because she's got some great things to say. And uh, we've recently published a book of hers, uh, which is um, rated really highly by Walter Brueggemann and Nadia Boltz-Weber, who are well-known names in connection with public proclamation here. Mm -hmm. And there are also some names who'll be familiar to Church Times oh, readers. Oh, indeed. Like, um, um, Mark Oakley. Mm. Um, and we've got uh, some new names coming too. We also asked uh, attendees last time what subjects they would like to hear. And so we've got Ali Barrett on all-age preaching. That came top of the list. Oh, Something that people want to do well, but really, really struggle with. Ali is working on a new book um, on all-age preaching, which is all about developing skills, not just another collection of, well, here's, you know, here's some short talks on Mothering Sunday or whatever. Mm. Uh, we've got Margaret Whip uh, on preaching as pastoral care. Margaret uh, has taught pastoral theology um, at theological colleges, and she's now lead chaplain at the Oxford University Hospitals Trust. Uh, we've got Nadim Nassar. Um, the, Been on this podcast, yeah. Uh, on, yes, um, on the culture, uh, the Middle Eastern culture of Jesus. Uh, so often we in preaching, it's always a temptation. You just overlay your own culture on the text. and uh, But there is so much hidden in the text that will come alive when you appreciate its original context. Uh, we've got Rachel Mann. I'm looking forward to her. On seldom, sermons seldom heard. Mm, Quite what that involves, I'm really not sure. Um, but she is always uh, provocative and engaging. Paula Gooder is coming back uh, to talk on preaching the parables. And so there's a real mix in the programme for regular, week in, week out, preaching in your parish, uh, but also topics that will kind of take you beyond that context and help you engage more widely uh, with the world in your preaching. Brilliant. And this would I mean who would be most suited to clergy and um, readers who preach? I think regularly? anyone who preaches, because if you're if you're clergy, uh, it, 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 it's a dominant part of your uh, work, um, possibly involving you every single week. It's an enormous privilege. I don't know a single priest who feels adequate to the task. And I think the more time you give to it, the more you become aware of your own inadequacies, which is the right stance to take, I think. So the festival for uh, regular preachers, we hope will feed them, inspire them, uh, restore their joy, uh, because preaching is a fantastic privilege. Uh, preachers don't need me to tell them that, but often you feel that the tank is a bit empty. So uh, the festival, we hope, will replenish that. 
for ordinance and for uh, readers in training. Um, it's a great opportunity. I think nothing will match uh, these two days in, in any training programme. Um, one of the most frequent comments in our survey after 2017 was that no one had experienced anything quite quite of this quality and I'm in that you know I give all credit to the speakers we had they were absolutely superb so we've worked hard to get the very very best um, speakers and preachers that we can and uh, simply to let them shine and there's an early bird offer on tickets, I think, until the end of the month. Just until the end of the month. Uh, the webs- tickets have been on sale for just over a month, and they've almost half gone. Right. And so it did sell out last time, so people need to plan out, ahead. It sold out three or four months ahead last time, and we had a cancellations waiting list. We're limited to the numbers we can take simply by the capacity of the venues, mm. and we do fill up really fast. So get your tickets soon if you want to come. Please don't put it off because you'll be disappointed. And tickets can be bought at festivalofpreaching.hymnsam.co.uk. Yes, or just put Festival of Preaching into your search engine and it will come up first. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Church Times podcast. You can find more news, analysis, comment and book reviews on our website, churchtimes.co.uk. If you are not yet a subscriber to The Church Times, you can try your first 10 issues for just £10. You'll get the paper delivered to your door every Friday, plus full access to our website and digital archive. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more. The music for this podcast was provided by Sought After Sounds. Tune in next Friday for the next episode.